Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. If you do not want these human jerks spoiling the movie, stop the recording. For the rest of you, Merry freaking Christmas. Let us rejoice, the Christ is born again <laughs> in Bethlehem. Uh, that's right, if you're listening to this on the day of release, it is Christmas morn. You we have hope. your... We hope. Um, <laughs> we have you, your, you, you have your presents under the tree. There's an extremely good chance you're not with your family and you have to be stuck with us instead. Um... <laughs> We'll do our best to, to deliver some cheer. I hope you're drunk on early morning. I hope you're drunk on early morning Christmas drinks. Eggnog, what have you. Probably mimosas, probably that early, mm-hmm. but you never know. Bloody Mary. Um, yeah. So Bloody yeah, Mary is seasonally appropriate. Yes. So this is the holiday version of the booby trap. Um, uh, uh, we decided since we're falling on an episode release on Christmas Day, we thought it'd be fun to do a movie episode. I guess before we get Correct. too much further, we should do some name introductions so you can know who the hell is talking to you. Uh, my name is Russell Carlson. I am joined by my jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. My name is Chris, and I am one of your hosts. Hello. Uh, my name is Russell, and uh, yeah, I am uh, happy to be here. Ho, ho, ho. And my name is Zach, the third and final of the three wise gentlemen um, <laughs> that will shepherd you through this podcast. Uh, I brought the myrrh. Um, I brought I the incense. frankincense. I dev- oh, oh, damn yeah. it. Uh, well, incense I'm- is not even one of them. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> Shit. Is it frankincense a type of incense? I don't I know. Think it- okay. I think it's like incense, but it's just very blunt. Well, it's it's a whole smell. Russell Russell theoretically brought the gold because we should explain what's happening. We promised you last time that you would be hearing Dead Ringers this week. Dead Ringers will be our next episode. Instead, you'd be a dead wronger. Yeah, you you, got it. Uh, uh, Instead, we realized this episode would come out on Christmas Day in the morning. And uh, we decided we should have a special Christmas insert. We each picked two films um, and rolled a six-sided dice to see which of those six films would win. Russell's pick of Christmas Vacation was the chosen one. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Russell's first choice, I think. His, it was. His, it was an yeah. easy one because this, this movie... I. Some some background on this movie. Uh, I was never really inundated with this movie uh, through like childhood or anything. I, I found this movie very late when I first met my wife because her and her family absolutely go gaga over this movie. She falls she There was many nights she would just fall asleep to it. She could watch it any time of the day. Uh, it's one of her favorites. So because of that, I kind of bleed it into me. And, and it's a pretty funny movie, you know, because you could quote it all the time and it's almost like a secret handshake for most people of quotes from christmas vacation it's it's pretty easy so that's that's part of why i uh i i'm so fond of this movie is just because it i associate with my wife and her family and blah 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 but anyway well uh yeah it's a it's a classic for sure love this movie it's one of uh there's a lot to love had an american list of the best christmas movies that would appear somewhere in that top 10 
Yeah, easy. Um, should we, without further ado, unwrap the gift and talk about the plot of this <laughs> That's film? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yep. let's just dive let's right in. Let's get All in. Right. Let's, get let's chase in. the squirrel out of the tree. So let's do it. This is the third in the National Lampoon's Vacation uh, series, starring Chevy Chase, noted asshole, and uh, <laughs> and Beverly D'Angelo, the first woman I ever saw nude in a movie. Um, it, was that European Vacation? Uh, Chris, uh, no, it was the original Vacation. The original okay. vacation. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was the European Vacation because they had the whole porn subplot where they became briefly popular for making homemade porn there is a, uh, a shower scene in the original vacation where beverly d'angelo oh. is naked uh well i understand that's not relevant to the conversation but it is a true fact <laughs> um, now the plot summary for this movie and we'll go into some of the behind the scenes details in a minute but the plot summary for this movie is a bit of a an interesting one it's not dissimilar uh, for any of our listeners who have seen Christmas Story, but not this movie. I think that there there are similarities. It's surprising that that movie is only six years older than this one, but it is. Um, but this is more like almost a series of unrelated Christmas sketches than it is a full movie. There is a plot that goes throughout, like in Christmas Story with the BB gun. This one, it's about a Christmas bonus. But most of the scenes have very little to do with that. Fundamentally, it's about the Griswold family. Go ahead, Chris. One of the one of the things on that is that this is actually written by John Hughes. Or, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. Uh, originally he was going to have Christopher Columbus directing it. But the long and short of it is, is that John Hughes worked at National Lampoon for a very long time. So he actually, you might have been getting into this later, but the reason it breaks up and there's so many little vignettes in this is that the entire film is based off a series of Christmas recollections that he wrote, Christmas 59 in National Lampoons, that was much like a Christmas story where it was a lot of vignettes that then got turned into one film. So mm. Christmas okay, Story right. had Very the same similar thing. to a Christmas yeah. story, which was yeah. the original book was much the same. Well, and the original vacation is pretty much vignettes because it's a road trip. You know, it's very episodic. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I'll say before I get too deep into it, actually, this was in some ways a perfect pick for this podcast, because as some of our listeners may know, uh, Chris lives out there in Los Angeles. I live in Chicago. Russell is in Colorado. And this movie uh filmed most of the exteriors of the house and interiors of the house in Los Angeles. Basically anything, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of trees around was filmed in Colorado, the opening sequence or when he goes sledding mm-hmm. and it takes place in and has establishing shots uh, from Chicago. So truly all three of our, our areas are represented in Christmas. Vacation. I didn't even know it's that. Pretty it's pretty safe great. to assume. It's pretty safe to assume if John Hughes wrote it, it takes place in Chicago. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So uh, there, this movie is basically about uh, the Griswold family. Uh, Christmas 1989. Uh, they are preparing for their huge Christmas get together with the family. Um, it starts with them going out and picking the perfect tree for their home. Uh, and we'll probably discuss these vignettes in more detail later. Um <laughs> But it moves on to basically their preparations for Christmas. All the things you could think of, buying gifts, setting up the lights outside the house, 
the family coming to town, all with the backdrop of Clark, who has a grand design to create, uh, to buy uh, an outdoor swimming pool for his home uh, using his Christmas bonus money. Why you would do that in Chicago, I don't know. I've never seen an outdoor swimming pool in any of the homes that I've, like, passed by here. (laughs) It's... Clark is a foolish man, so I guess it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, people have the sticks. They'll have a they'll have a pool, but it'll only be for that like really sweet three months when the weather is not abysmally hot or so cold that you don't want to be alive. So yeah, it's a little strange that would exist in Chicago anywhere. My nearby. girlfriend's parents have a hot tub. You can use a hot tub in the winter. It's actually extremely refreshing. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd want to use it in the winter as opposed to go into it in the summer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, ultimately, what happens is the family comes to town and increasingly chaos ensues. Uh, not just the invited family, the in-laws and parents come about, but also Cousin Eddie uh, reprising his role from the first vacation. I don't believe he was in European vacation uh, as cousin Eddie, um, comes around and, uh, they eventually get to Christmas night, uh, with a series of hijinks and again, unrelated, but comical scenes. (laughs) Um, uh, and Clark finds that his Christmas bonus is in fact a jello of the month club membership. And has a full down, full on breakdown, having had his tree set aflame, uh, Christmas dinner being an absolute wreck. Uh, yeah, pay- I mean he's got all the all the family visiting. He's had a significant run of bad run-ins with an otherwise nice holiday season. Yes, it's yeah. just really mm-hmm. crazy. And he's a man um, who the- is very enthusiastic about Christmas, and mm-hmm. uh, it just has uh, not. It's just come crazy. Together. It's just crazy that he looked that forward to a bonus that he didn't know how much it was actually going to be. That seems weird to me. In fact, he says that he wrote a check he couldn't cover for the pool prior to getting the bonus on the assumption that it would cover the check. Uh, So again, Clark Griswold is not a smart man, but he's an enthusiastic one. (laughs) He he makes what what he lacks in, in knowledge. He makes up in foolhardy optimism. Yeah. Uh, You know, he, he just dives right in knowing that like, well, you know, I'll just solve the problem. You know, anyway, I'll, I don't know if bonuses used to be baller at some point in time, but most of the bonuses I've got have been like maybe a hundred bucks, maybe 200 bucks. If you've been real nice, maybe uh, some more than Clark that, but it's like, also, I'm going to say he works like right off of daily Plaza in downtown Chicago. He is upper, upper middle class. I would qualify him as, uh, he is a, a mediocre white dude who has fallen up to <laughs> a beautiful house. Like he is, uh, yeah. The yeah, the, the the Griswolds are a poster child for white privilege. Yes, and, yeah. and, and every Boomer John success. Hughes family, every John Hughes family <laughs> has like this gigantic mm-hmm. house they in do. the Chicago suburbs, um, and we're meant to believe they're middle class. Yeah, and the Griswolds anyway. are are boomer success embodied. Yes, uh, pretty uh, much. You can imagine Brian Doyle Murray. You know, like when they show the interior of the boss's house, it's like this huge library, almost like you know, like Citizen Kane or some shit. But uh, yeah, so uh, in dealing with all these problems with his family and his hoity-toity, too cool for Christmas neighbors, <laughs> um, 
who are running. Yeah, that's, 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 that's my weird. sweater here. That's yeah. the impetus of my sweater. I don't know, Margo. My wife has the other one. Said, and why is the carpet all wet, Todd? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we all are wearing Christmas themed gear. Uh, Chris has a RoboCop sweater. I have a yeah, well, it's the Tower Christmas it, party it, shirt. Exactly. I mean, mine's because it's a Christ story. You know, mm-hmm. RoboCop. <laughs> Um, but when you brought up the villains, that's actually a good point that I wanted to just ask. Would you describe these as yuppie scum villains? Yes. 1,000%. Okay. So yeah. Down to the jogging outfits. Proto hipster yeah, yuppie scum kind of thing. Yeah. It's weird to try to parse what the offensive act of the neighbors was. Like, cause they're, uh, uh, they're not that bad. It doesn't seem like. Well, uh, so they live next to Clark Griswold and are annoyed by him. We're supposed to take that as them being uh, uppity and holier than thou, but Clark Griswold would be the worst fucking neighbor in the world. So yeah. I don't know. It's, he's he's more, like destroys their victims, house. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. He constantly destroys and he their like, house. He's paying and, lawsuits and he, to these people. That's where the Christmas bonus is really going. All the lawsuits yeah. he's going to have to pay. Well, it's to also these like neighbors. he's the most abysmal like aggressive neighbor too like in the introductory moment when they're saying hey Clark what are you doing how are you gonna cut that tree he's like I'll show you where I'm gonna put this chainsaw and then he's like suggests I think the inference was that he was suggesting he was gonna use it on the lady in the conversation there's a lot of stuff in that that's very strange he has an extraordinarily large tree we'll get back to the summary very quickly he has an extraordinarily (laughs) large tree uh, that uh, the neighbors say, hey, Clark, where are you going to put that tree? And he says, bend over and I'll show you. And the guy says, you got a lot you- of nerve talking to me that way, Griswold. And he says, I wasn't talking to you, referring to Julie Louise Dreyfus, his wife. And they yeah. take great umbrage. As you would. Yeah, um, as you would. Regardless, it culminates on Christmas night. As I've said, there's a series of increasing disasters. It's been a strenuous season to say, or actually this all takes place in about three or four days, uh, a strenuous time period for Clark. Um, And uh, his cousin, Eddie, to whom he had promised to give his children Christmas gifts because Eddie can't afford to give his children any gifts. And Eddie in turn said he would give him something special. When he gets his terrible bonus, that's a membership to the Jello of the Month. Uh, Eddie gets his grand idea. He goes to his boss's house, kidnaps his boss, and takes him back to the Griswold residence, where uh, ultimately the spirit of Christmas infuses the boss's heart. He realizes he was too harsh in cutting the Christmas bonus, and not only gives Clark his Christmas bonus, he gives it plus twenty percent and drops all charges. Uh, and they have a beautiful Christmas night uh, with, uh, I, I think it's an uncle setting off the gas fumes from the sewer and blowing the Santa and reindeer display into the sky uh, so they can watch Santa cross the skyline uh, on, on fire, on fire <laughs> uh, while singing the national anthem. Yes. Um, I, I, it's one of well, my favorite bits in this movie. Yo. There's two instances where they use like these, uh, the, the national anthem and the pledge of allegiance from, uh, one of, uh, Aunt Bethany. Um, and, and I think it's such a great, you know, it, it, to juxtapose like the 4th of July with Christmas is a pretty, pretty funny, you know, uh, and, well, and Christmas is such also- like, cause national lampoon and, 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 <laughs> and the Griswold specifically are a commentary on, 
stories like Christmas Story. This is uh, this is National Lampoon versus the suburbs. Let um, me, let, but I, I will say, obviously, a little more anemic than our usual summaries. The fact of the matter is, uh, this is basically a sketch movie, and mm-hmm. I assume you've probably seen it. Most people, I think, have. This, if you haven't, this is a go ahead and block. check it out. It's yeah. Com- Thank you, Bora. It, it's, you it's just a block saw, man. If we were giving out points, this is I would have given you it, police. I, <laughs> So it's a police go, go academy. Go for it. You're example. on your go. No, yeah. let me. You're, you the, hit the gas. Sorry. The block. The block comedy. This is an example of when it works correctly and is enjoyable. Like um, exact, essentially, the B story. The B story is like a little train. It's like a little breadcrumb trail that you follow throughout the movie. It's not really what they take most of the time on. Like the B story or the A story, I guess, would be him having to get that bonus. So then everything else is this stuff happening around him having to get that bonus. So all the scenes leading up, they'll like, they actually only mention the initial setup of that plot in 15 minutes in, and they don't mention it again for 50 minutes. It's like once he gets to the halfway point, that's when he starts going, oh man, they, I didn't get the thing yet. And then the brother goes and steals the guy, and the whole thing gets started. But I wanted to come I, back to one you... thing you said real quick. Mm hmm. Carlson, you guys were talking about Aunt Bethany. Um, mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with that actress at all? The voice of Betty Boop, baby. You better believe it. Bingo. Yep. You got my. Yep. You got one of my points. How many points am I allowed okay. to give up per episode? We're, we're not giving any points. This is special. This is this, 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 we oh, all give everybody oh, gets points. We're, we're not in regulation oh. season. Right. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Is, uh, yeah. I will emotionally give you one piece of coal. <laughs> <laughs> It's the spirit of um, Christmas. There you have it. But I uh, honestly, I mean, because my wife and I talked about this. She was very excited when we learned we were doing Briscoe's Vacation. And I brought up the po- concept of block economy because part of when we mm-hmm. were talking about Police Academy and that chore of a movie to get through, um, it's essentially the same thing where it's just a series of sketches sort of strung together. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. And this is why I was trying to argue with Sarah because she's saying, I don't think Christmas Vacation is that much of a block comedy. I'm like, oh, it, it very much is. But... 100%. Where it does it well, as opposed to something like Police Academy, is that the the sketches are still strung together. And in Christmas Vacation's point, it's done together with Clark's genuine descent into madness. And, um, and I would say that the A story, really, what Clark really wants isn't really the bonus. That's a that's a that's a good plot device. But really, it's about him having the perfect Christmas. It's it's the yeah. same thing as Chris as Vacation, where he wants uh, to be the perfect suburban dad you know just your your normal regular reaganite asshole um so that i think is more of the a story and because of that the stitching together of all these blocks of comedy works better than say something like police academy where there's no character there's nothing you know you don't learn nobody nobody really learns it's all random whereas at least a random choice and police academy feels like zach yeah I, I, so again, uh, when I when we first talked about this, uh, the sort of episodic nature of this movie, one of my comparisons was again Christmas Story, which I think is maybe the most one to one like Christmas classic comparison to this movie. And I think there's mm-hmm. a very specific thing both of those things, both those films, have in common in terms of their sort of Christmas classic resonance. Why they're so popular, and I think it's because. Uh, frequently for most people in America, I would say on Christmas morning, 
You are running around doing all kinds of random shit. You're opening presents, you're getting drinks, you're eating cookies, and maybe the TV's on in the background and you pop in for one scene and say, I love this scene. You watch that scene for three minutes and you go do something fucking else. And in both Mm -hmm. cases, that's the strength of these movies on why they're such, I think, enduring Christmas watches. Because it's a chaotic time. You don't have time to sit down for a whole movie. But if you pop into the living room for five minutes, hey, you can watch the scene where he gets locked in the attic and looks at his old Christmas memories and then leave. Well, the other thing I noticed with this is that it's also that all the scenes carry um, a subtext or they're all towards the same emotional point as the rest of the plot. Like when you're watching a Christmas movie, most of the subplots involve a little bit of melancholy, a little bit of nostalgia, and then something with the struggle of dealing with family, people you love but you can't get along with, um, or you have to fight through getting along with. So in both films, it's usually that you love all the characters. Yeah, yeah. You love all the characters involved, but you're aware that they're fallible, like they're never being introduced as an infallible character. So it's almost like you sort of love the characters because of or in spite of what's weird with them. Though some of the characters in this are troublingly typed. Um, I, like I, I the, assume you mean we, Eddie. Well, yeah. I mean, there's this weird thing. I noticed that the only people who are represented in the movie as quote unquote normal, um, though a little slow, are the Griswolds, right? So they're the ones who kind of come, come out of this normal they're not described as crazy wacky wild people except for the fact that the dad's an enormous horn dog and there's some real creepy sexual harassment scenes involving him buying stuff for his wife in the mall every scene involving that stuff just gave me the creeps yeah hilarious it's it's creepy but it's funny yeah it was like they tried to do the thing from the first movie where he sees christy brinkley but that's there's a big mm-hmm. difference between someone's driving past you on the road and this I'll lady note, can't get the fuck away from you. She's working here. And I'll note this man is married to young Beverly D'Angelo, who is, mm-hmm. I would say, quite an attractive person. Uh, I would yeah. say Clark is definitely punching above his weight when it yeah. comes to Ellen. Um, and and yeah, well, and, and I think that's what's given him his false sense of confidence, really, when it comes to women, in my opinion. But um, I, I and, well, it's just super okay, weird. So, yeah, though. a lot like, of the yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, here's, so here's the types I saw. Maybe you guys can the, you can the, argue with me on this one. Maybe like tell me how you guys feel no, about no, these I, types I, that are I, represented because it's like there's there's mean I, yuppies. There's a dementia-ridden yeah. grandma who's made fun of. All the old family members have some form of dementia. Is your house on fire, Clark? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you have the people who are slightly friends. poorer than the Griswolds displayed as Eddie, where it's they're not just poor, they're abysmally stupid and poor. And it's like you have this sense that they're... The, the situation they find themselves in is caused by their own life choices. And, I would and then say, the other extreme are people so Clark. rich that they're dicks. So there's yeah. like nothing in the middle for a lot of these other characters. Well, I would except say for the... the latter one in 2020, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Rich dicks is evergreen. <laughs> Rich people yeah. will always be assholes. Right. They were assholes during the French Revolution. They yeah. were assholes during serfdom. They're assholes today. They will be assholes, assholes in tomorrow. 50 years. Right. Yeah. Rich people suck shit. Sorry, yeah. rich people. <laughs> right, yes. But um, if we ever get t-shirts made, rich discons- dicks is evergreen is going to be on one of those shirts. Yeah, That's a good one. 
Uh, hey, but, hey, maybe this is a good method to get a good, a robust tax policy. Just break into their house, wrap them up in Christmas bow, and and, yeah, and bring them to a, a, a poor family's Christmas that you just it's dicked over. probably a good policy for uh, the for-profit prison system, getting a few more inmates. I think it's probably good for that. Um, yeah, the economy. Uh, but the poor people, like the, the, the way they, especially because Clark by... By the standards of 1989, I don't think the size of his house was as egregious as it is to people who are in their 30s like us, uh, or early 40s. Like, yeah, um, the concept of buying that house, it would be like, oh, geez, yeah, here's a that cool $750,000 to buy right. that house. It's Hilarious. the same Hilarious. problem friends frequently. Yeah. Like when you look at friends and oh, nowadays, yeah. I just don't think people who are young are like, what is this apartment? Yeah. But like but, the, the only time I've seen an apartment that made sense was in Mr. Robot, where it was a shitty corner apartment that the guy had a bunch of stuff jammed into. It was nice ish, but it was a shitty corner apartment. I'll, I think, I'll say, I think the, now that the, the representation of poor people is like, yeah, you probably shouldn't like, I haven't really Shit considered poor that. People quite I as haven't much. really considered that, but that's a really excellent point. And considering that, that, whole Eddie's family's too poor pulls on Clark's sort of spirit of Christmas or whatever and feels like he has to give Eddie's kids at least a good Christmas because it, it, another because there's while Clark is masturbating slash not masturbating to the lingerie clerk lady envisioning this pool that's gonna come uh, his niece or I don't know how you know it's cousin I don't know how these people Eddie's are all related kid. is cousin Eddie's cousin kids. Eddie's kids so, so like yeah. what does that make her to Clark I'm not clear I, I'm not a it's genealogist like a grand niece or something I like think that. it's like cousin like once anyway, removed yeah I think that's accurate yeah, I think that's true um, yeah uh, but anyway so Ruby comes in Ruby Sue comes in and mentions to Clark that, you know, we we did, she, she's very adorable and very funny by all her swear words and the way she talks um, and the fact that she has no regard for Clark to correct her on it. But this is a common John Clark Hughes bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then Clark says, you know, to Eddie, why don't I get you a very nice Christmas? Why don't I get something for the kids and everything? Even though, again, we're supposed to understand that he's overdrawn with this uh, pool thing. So, I mean, if there's anything Clark... What I love about what you said earlier, Borf, made me think, because uh, I, I think it's a good point about shitting on poor people with Eddie's family. But uh, I would argue that, that yeah, the Griswolds are mostly seen as normal, with the exception of Clark. Yeah. Clark's probably... Clark is, is a proto-Homer Simpson. Uh, oh, dude, yeah, yeah. see, you would have taken that away from me, too. And isn't Frank Shirley a little too close to Mr. Burns? Um, mm. You know, never yeah. remembering Clark's name at all. Um, you know, isn't he a little close to Mr. Burns? Um, well, they probably had to make so him a little it, bit, excuse me, they had to make him a little bit fallible just so that he'd be able to overcome something. Like, if you're watching a comedy well, where they don't have to actually argue, achieve anything, you're like, oh, well, I mean, they're going right, to go through the well, thing and then make it through. I think what I like about this movie is that by the end of it, really Clark's the bad guy, you know, and he always has been the bad guy, you know, like he's, that's where I think that, yeah, the Griswolds, Ellen and the kids are mostly normal and just sort of reacting to the Saney family, but that Saney family includes their father, um, you know, and, and I, that's why I think Clark is, yeah, the Homer Simpson. He's the one who has so to kind of, here's evolve. what Clark is. So uh, four years of evolution, 
in pop culture, Clark is Homer Simpson. Negative about eight or nine years, and he's Jack Torrance from The Shining. <laughs> Jesus. Don't piss me off, Art. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, yeah, no, and that's why I... I and also, like, I, I know we can... I, I know uh, we can beat up on Chevy Chase all day long um, because it's an easy target, and he makes it very easy for himself to leave himself open to his reputation um, because my wife's favorite line about that I've ever heard her say about Chevy Chase, especially during the whole community, very public spat with Dan mm-hmm. Harmon, um, that my wife said it best is that, yeah, Chevy Chase has always been an asshole. We just used to blame it on the cocaine, um, you know, and it, it's it, that's why that's, I, that's accurate. Know. Yeah. But I've, I but I this is one of yeah. those movies where it's perfect for somebody like Chevy Chase. I mean, this is a role he was meant to do because he is very much kind of. I don't want to say like Dick Van Dyke, but kind of like that, you know, where he's just kind of your average everyman, you know, but also kind of there a, was a, there was a minute where he was like almost like a Jeff Goldblum or like a Steve Gutenberg or like he was right there, right in the middle. And uh, he even had his own talk show and stuff like that. I think the thing that let us all know that something was wrong with his career was when he made The Invisible Man. And mm-hmm. then we were like, oh, this is an odd, bad choice. And then he started making some worse choices and it got very awkward and. Anyway, he's sort of back doing things, but he's still an asshole. Like, yeah, I've worked yeah. with Dan Harmon, and you can get along with Dan Harmon just easy. It's fine. There's no reason to scream at people. Yeah. But, but yes. But uh, and, and, and this is probably Chevy more at his prime, you know, we're a couple removed. I mean, mm-hmm. John Hughes even stopped doing the vacation movies because he very much said that these are just Chevy Chase vessels, basically. We're just well, making this a is franchise the, for Chevy he, Chase. It's worth, he's also the reason that Christopher Columbus didn't work on this. Yeah. Like yeah. He, Christopher Columbus was hired for this. He was doing it and then like did not get along with Chevy. And yeah. then eventually uh, he wound up getting handed the Home Alone script by yeah, Hughes. Yeah, that didn't work like, out very well good. for him at all. That didn't work out for him at all. <laughs> I know, what, a, what a flop that movie was. Mm-hmm. Um, and this then, movie you know, did do well. A lot of a lot of sure. classic Christmas movies do poorly in the theater. I think Christmas Story did. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life famously did. But uh, this is one of the ones that did pretty good. And it was beaten by uh, Back to the Future 2 on its first week, but then went hard, to number hard. one after. Yeah, hard, hard one to beat, you know, box office wise, I would think. Yeah. I think Back to the Future probably drums out the teenagers more. But this but was I, instead handed over to uh, Jeremy uh, Chechik, who did uh, Benny and June and the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Not not the Marvel one, the one no. with the the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the one based on the old British series. Yeah. Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman, I believe. From Sean sometime Connery in the 90s. is the bad guy. Yeah, he uh, he Connery makes a brief cameo in the movie um, when uh, when Clark is in the bed and his hands are all sticky from having to get the uh, the tree right before then. He's reading a Time magazine. The guy in the Time magazine is the Czechnik director that you're just talking about. Oh, I'll be damned. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's where I I I but to how much of a you know how hard it is to work for chevy i can't imagine but i do imagine that the chemistry between chevy chase and randy quaid is genuine and that works out very well to both of them i mean it's kind of got a martin lewis thing i mean chevy's so good at at being kind of deadpan to all of eddie's kind of wackiness and his reactions to eddie are are very funny and i i I think that that chemistry worked well again when you put chevy chase in a right role he he can he can be very effective in terms of the vacation franchise as it were um the people who recur are chevy chase beverly d'angelo uh 
Randy Quaid, and I think the woman who plays Randy Quaid's wife. I can't remember her name offhand. I don't remember. I can't either. I'm but glad that you that brought that's... this up, though. But I was none of the children. The, the children are different in, I think, just about or literally every movie. Every both, movie. They're both, both, both Cousin Eddie's kids and Clark's kids are always different. On, on that, I have a question for you. Because this was a question I wanted to get to the bottom of. Um, as we've all found out in the recent years with uh, 80s comedies, that the most important thing is their cinematic universe. Not the fact they're funny, not the nothing else, just their cinematic universe. So I wanted to clear up what the cinematic universe is for the Griswolds. Um, but before we get to that, I have a bit of trivia, and I can't give you guys points now because this is an out-of-point episode. So, Carlson, I am going to say a list of actors that played... Rusty. Okay. At some point in time. Okay. I want you to tell me which one is a lie. Okay. okay? I can do this. Uh, okay. Anthony Michael Hall, Jason Lively, Johnny Galecki, Ryan Reynolds, Ethan Embry, Ed Helms. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is the lie is um um uh uh what was the third choice? Read that list again. Anthony Michael Hall, oh. Jason Lively, mm-hmm. Johnny Galecki, uh-huh. Ryan Reynolds, Ethan Embry, Ed Helms. My guess is guess. Ryan Reynolds. My guess is Ryan Reynolds. My guess that's is the correct. Same. Yeah, that's uh, my guess. Ryan Reynolds, of course, not famous from this. He's famous from Van Wilder, another National Lampoon film. I think it was one of the so, last ones. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, they've made many National Lampoon's oh, really? films, direct okay. to DVD and straight oh, to sure, the dumpster. Sure. They're, they're, um, they're, they're right there with Troma, I'm guessing. Um, so, Zach, yeah? here's a question for you, Zach. Audrey's. I'm going to ask you about Audrey's. Dana Barron, Dana Hill, Juliet Lewis, Marisol Nichols, Leslie Mann, Jenny Lewis, later of the band Rilo Kiley. And I realize now saying the list out loud, almost none of these people remain famous. Yeah, I mean, the what's her name? Uh, the lady who plays Jenna Maroney on 30 Rock. Uh, why am I forgetting her name? She Jane definitely, Krasinski. Jane Krasinski played her in the original Vacation. I don't know why she wasn't on the list. Um, uh, Dana Barron. Okay, actually, that's a good point. You got me. <laughs> I so didn't write that I. name down, and you got me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Great. so I'm not entirely, yeah, I was like, what? I don't, as far as I know, Jenny Lewis never played that character. That's correct. Yeah. She wasn't in this movie. She was in The uh, the Wizard, among many other, like, teen-ish uh, things I around this time. I know my Kylie, okay? <laughs> okay? I was okay. in high school in the mid-2000s, okay. in case you were I should wondering. have known, I should have known not to challenge. You guys got this down. I get uh, it. I, I know my Russies, okay? If, if, if Russell knows anything... <laughs> He knows which Rusty's in in Christmas Vacation because the one I look the most like is uh, is uh, Ethan Embry from Vegas Vacation. That's the one I, I probably resemble the closest to. Well, but, when he was that age, yeah, you look a little different now. Yeah, I think. a little bit, just a little bit. I, we saw Ethan Embry in one of the earlier episodes. That's right. of this. We saw him on that's right. Blind Spotting. Spotting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But uh, Chris, how excited for you when you found out that Angelo Baldamente oh, you know did the um, fucking soundtrack for this, Mister Twin Peaks <laughs> theme song himself. <laughs> Let me let me issue a retraction before Twitter goes after me. Uh, Jane Krasinski played cousin Eddie's daughter. She did not play Audrey. 
Okay. Because like, I oh, thought it was Dana okay. Barrett. Or, yeah, You're I, right. Uh, You're right. I, I mistook. Yes. Uh, the original actress who played the the very sweet girl in this who appeals to Clark's heart in the original Vacation, uh, she played that role. I had no okay. idea. But that yeah. scene in the original Vacation also filmed in Pueblo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they filmed a lot of the original Vacation in Colorado. I mean, they also went to like Monument Valley and shit. Um, yeah, I'll, no, let, I'll let Russell go on to with his Colorado. Point. But I, I, I did want to say, Borf, how excited were you when you found out that Angelo Baldamente uh, did the fucking music for this? Uh, I was know, more Mr. Twin Peaks himself. I was more confused than anything because when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. But then I thought back and I'm like, does any of this not sound like Muzak from going into like a Walmart in the 80s? Like, is any of this like noticeable outside of context? And like the only song, like they don't have the Holiday Road song in this. What they have instead yep. is a Christmas Vacation song, which mm-hmm. is great. Yep. Not the Holiday Road song. Uh, but yeah, I can't. I'd be hard pressed to really remember any of the musical stings in this. Uh, did you guys have any moment comedy. that popped out? I, I always I, I love it whenever they do a tuba for a particularly comical character and they do it when Cousin Eddie is emptying his toilet into the storm drawer, which causes the explosion at the end and it's playing this Rudolph song the now I remember it That's, I'm, now I'm I remember it whatever they do they do it with Homer all the time like bo, 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 bo. <laughs> you know I'm a big fan of that um, but no and I, I, I'm glad you brought up the theme song too because I love the theme song it's, it's I think good. it's very hard to come up with a Christmas song in today's in, in any modern sense like and this one kind of outlived the movie a little bit more uh you know like it's they put it on like disney sing-alongs and whatever um you know but like it's it's for for being a christmas song it's not bad you yeah know? and let's like, you know what yeah. while we're talking about this theme song which is an interesting yeah i think it's a good song i have it on a spotify playlist somewhere you bet um <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that they also uh, went the extra mile, made a fun little animated intro to this film. Oh, yes. Yeah, a lost art in, in, in many movies. You know, it was always... I remember when I was very young and I saw, like, the Pink Panther cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I remember we borrowed the Pink Panther from the library from my mom. And I remember being very excited with the cartoon at the beginning and then being very disappointed that the rest of the movie was not a cartoon. That is a universal thing, man. I remember having the exact same bait and switch when I was four. I was like, yeah, man, we're going to see the Pink Panther do stuff. And then the rest of the movie was Peter Sellers, who I understand was a comic genius. But to me, Mm -hmm. at three years old, he was not funny. I I wanted more of that Pink Panther Not as good as the first, as the opening credit scene. That was, you Mm -hmm. know, but... But I did want to talk about that, that like when when did that trend kind of begin and when did it end? Because you don't see that very often anymore where these kind of like weird Warner Brothers-esque kind of cartoons as the title sequence that has nothing to do with the movie. Well, I think it actually is a hangover from earlier um, when they had earlier uh, theater chains, because often when you'd go in and see a movie back in the 1950s or 40s, they would have a cartoon in front of it. They would have news, then they would have a movie, then they would have another movie. And it was a thing where you were just constantly used to that thing. So part of seeing some of these Christmas things was seeing a cartoon in front of it, seeing something entertaining. So I think it's just something where they wanted to have fun with the introduction. And it's a nice little throwback to that. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a it's a yeah. sense to to tell your kids, see, it'll be fun. Just shut up, will you, and watch it. Um, you know, and because that's how it totally felt. But anyway, it's a lost art. 
I think Pixar does it now some. Um, I guess that's with, fair. With like shorts opening. I guess it. that's fair. I guess that's fair. But like they're not part of the like the title sequence of the movie. You know, like it's. Yeah, that's true. Know, that's like true. The, the little shorts at the beginning, you know, the Bugs Bunny cartoons, I understand what you're saying, but it's. Yeah, yeah. There was no, a period of time, it seemed like, where they would have like these little, like, I, I think even like Charade had them too or some shit. You know, like it, a lot of oh. movies had like these kind of cartoon. Well, I mean, entrances. Charade, that was. Charade, that was Saul Bass, wasn't it? I have no idea, but I think so. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like Saul Bass, his like whole introductory stuff, but usually his stuff wasn't character based. It was more of an abstract. He was the guy who did all the uh, Hitchcock intros. Yeah, that's fair too. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think what I like about this movie uh, is how uh, understandable it is as far as the actual conflict of the notion of a Christmas vacation where Christmas itself is a stressful, nightmarish, brain-melting thing for many people. You have to buy a bunch of gifts. You got to decorate. The weather's terrible. You know, you're trying to get everyone's kind of working. Shopping's a nightmare. And and it's, it's, it's mixing realistic conflicts with sort of like absurd outcomes, which is fine for a comedy. I, I think, it, you know, like the SWAT team at the end is pretty ridiculous. But, you know, like, and I related to this movie more than I did the original Vacation. Um, maybe it's because I never, when we went to Disneyland, we flew like responsible people. But we would always drive to Grandma's for Christmas. So Christmas Vacation, I was on the receiving end of, christmas vacation most of the time so i very much had to understand and my dad when it came to decorating the house did have a bit of the clark griswold in him because we didn't really talk about one of the subplots i guess is him decorating his house and it does turn into like this giant tanglement spider web of just lights fucking everywhere and he's staple gunning these things in there i mean like mm-hmm. and and i related the yeah, most he's a he is a walking ocean nightmare is basically what he is yeah right. everything he does is wrong and, and dangerous several and great I, side gags in that scene like the huge tangle of christmas lights that the side that is the sides of the beach ball mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. when he turns on the lights finally and the nuclear power plant turns on their auxiliary power yeah to maintain yeah. power to the city. Yeah, things like Small that. moments mm-hmm. of, 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 but I, I related to Rusty, you know, because I really fucking hated that shit. It was cold, you know, it takes forever. You're never really, by the time you're done with it, you're like, well, that was a lot of work. That took all weekend, um, you know, and, and my favorite scene is when he's just like, dad, what do you want me to do with these reindeer? Just set them down. And he just drops them because that's how I was yeah. like, where do you want this, man? And I hated it, hated it, hated it. Uh, well, I think it's funny because it's probably we were the age to have that be our sympathetic character. Like yeah. I noticed watching the movie that it seems like it's from the perspective of baby boomers who were like upper middle class at the time. Oh, so yeah. it's like oh, all the sure. comedies for them from their perspective. So they're seeing the world through the Griswold lens. They're not seeing it through anybody else's lens. So it's all the gags are kind of geared towards that lifestyle. Oh, and, and, and that, that even brings back to Zach's earlier point about Christmas Story. I think that this movie is more because in Christmas Story that level that is of a nostalgia this. exercise yeah it's and it's a nostalgia just as exercise. how today you'll see a lot of things that take place in the 80s because the people who are creating are like i was a kid in the 80s and it was so great mm-hmm. christmas right. story is that but the 50s right so is yeah. most of stephen yeah. king's work to be honest that's yeah, yeah, also i've been seeing true. like a little sprinkling of cyberpunk coming back into things now and i'm like guys the it. 90s sucked don't do it <laughs> hey you leave William you Gibson think alone, the sir. 90s sucked because you were a kid in the 80s and you were like a little too old in the 90s 
but people who grew I up know, in the 90s I just I have a I have a fond memory of leaving the 90s I have a fond memory of leaving the 90s um <laughs> they had to drag me kick a good screaming Borif yeah I mean I'm noticing now like when I look back at the 2000s that the 2000s are starting to look like the 90s and they all have a like a very specific way that everyone's dressing and everyone's acting and Jinko it looks, jeans and it's man like, they're coming back yeah yeah, see, yep. I, I wore that shit, I, I think, when you met I, me I am, in college. I am personally of the opinion that there has been such a deluge of 80s nostalgia over the past five years that it is, let the 90s have their time, because the 80s nostalgia has gotten out of control, my friend. Like, fucking, it started, yeah. Stranger Things didn't even start it, but it was kind of the zenith. It's everywhere. It's time to get over the fucking 80s. <laughs> we think, yeah. Reagan was fucking president. Clinton right. wasn't much better, but Reagan <laughs> was definitely worse. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's so why let's, I, let's I, get I, over I, the fucking 80s. That's why I think the, the vacation movies and Clark Griswold as a sort of manifestation of this nostalgia, right? Where it, this is a guy in the 80s who's hearkening back to the 50s, right? And that's the joke. That's mm-hmm. the, the constant joke that Clark Griswold will never live up mm-hmm. to the great, wonderful days of the 50s and with segregation and all that jazz, it's, you know. It's, that's oh. also the terror. Nostalgia also has that terror after the Trump administration of like, what you actually want is a kind of white supremacist society. But... Yeah. Um, <laughs> But well, I will also say it, the 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 thing about this movie in terms of Clark trying to create the perfect Christmas is like that is the other stress of that holiday. Every year you're supposed to be like, well, we have to make this season perfect. There's I think How I Met Your Mother is a flawed show, but there's an excellent episode of that show where they go out for New Year's. And they're talking about how they need to make it the best New Year's ever. And there's one character who's like, the best New Year's ever just doesn't exist. It's a fantasy we indulge ourselves with every single year, and it will never, ever, ever happen. And all the holidays kind of hold that same thing. This year in coronavirus, you people listening at home where it's December 25th, probably you didn't see your families at all. So you didn't even pretend to indulge that delusion. But still. Yeah, it's ah, and, and and yeah, who knows? Well, man, I can't be even a lot imagine of Zoom. Going to be a lot of Zoom Christmases, I think. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be a lot of. But and, and I, I couldn't even imagine a Griswold Zoom vacation, a Griswold Zoom Christmas. I imagine Clark would like make Rusty and Audrey like dress up as like reindeer and try to reenact like the night before Christmas I, in front of I mean, the Zoom I, call or something. I or hate to tell Christmas you this, carols but or something. you should be careful what you wish for, man, because they can always do a sequel to the uh, Ed Helms reboot that's where true. he played Rusty. Oh, well, that could and, and if they do... No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Chris. The Ed Helms reboot? Uh, what about Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Tropical Vacation, I believe it was called? Something <laughs> Never saw it. Never will see direct, it. Direct a video, but it uh, it did star pre-issues uh, Randy Quaid, yes. I don't know yes. about, I don't know how pre. I think probably right along, you know, probably in tangent to the craziness of Randy Quaid. Everybody's, everybody's got a challenge. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, I have, I mean, like, I love Cousin Eddie in this movie. Okay, love Cousin Eddie. I think he's funny in this movie. I don't know if I want to see a whole fucking movie uh, uh, based off of Eddie going on a vacation. I, I just, that doesn't yeah. sound probably, all that He's, he's good me. as a yeah. side color character, yeah. not as the main meat I mean, of if, the film. But if they yeah. ever do reboot, if they are going to reboot any movie 
of the vacation movie other than the first one which they kind of did i never saw it but it i i appreciate at least the 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 concept of it an older rusty trying to be like his dad which i think that's uh-huh. that's that's okay but if they were to do if they were it's to about pluck, generational trauma russell sure well <laughs> if, they, if they were to pluck any of the other films from the franchise uh christmas vacation is probably the only one that is worth revisiting Sure. Um, I would argue it's the best one in the canon. I, I think it's, I like this one more than consensus. I like Vacation. Uh, Vacation, you could probably get it because it's directed by Harold Ramis. It's got John Candy, Eugene Levy, a much better legacy behind it than And, than and this I'll one. say this. Uh, I haven't seen Vacation in a number of years, but based on my memories of it, um, we talked about like the poor representation of certain caricatures in this. Uh, there is a scene where they go to like Harlem or downtown Chicago or something. Hey, mm-hmm. that scene didn't age well. Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aged yeah. Um, poorly. Well, it's fact. funny. You talked about how badly comedy ages. Like that's an example of it aging in terms of like societal change. But I've noticed that just John Hughes's style of comedy ages strangely. Because if you notice, like. This was a John? this was a criticism at the time, and it was that all of his scenes set up stakes and then no never pay off the consequences. So it's always people like ending scenes on a punchline where they're like, "You had sex with who? You ate yeah. my what? You did a John what?" Hughes, and then his, they just hard cut to the next sequence. He has a sentimentality that ages pretty well, I think, but his comedy ages yeah. somewhat less well. Yeah, it has. Um, there's no responsibilities to any of it. Any of it. Like Cameron also, never got beaten by his dad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. This is also, uh, interestingly, the first vacation film that did not garner an R rating. And I think the only time I noticed it, uh, especially in comparison to the first vacation, was uh, when Clark had one of his classic breakdowns. Uh, It's the the best one. And I'll do it. Uh It's just like everybody's trying to leave. Right. Everybody's trying. They've had enough. Clark's already chopped down a tree from the neighbors he's already like lost it with the bonus and everybody's trying to leave and clark prevents them from leaving saying that no no we're we're gonna have the hap hap happiest christmas since bing crosby danced with danny fucking k um the only time they drop the f-bomb in the movie and it's one of my favorite moments because it's got yeah well there's the, like a cut off slide no, the his- original the original vacation had a similar meltdown um uh that had a considerably larger number of f-bombs uh, the line I always remember from it, um, and I actually like this breakdown a little more than the one in Christmas Vacation, personally, but I always remember him saying, you're going to be whistling zippity doo out of your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, um, there's actually one other thing that happens in that scene with like that cursing thing. Uh, John Hughes mm-hmm. has an insult that he works into movies a lot. The insult is for Flusher. Oh, it's yeah, a very specific. I, remember that. I definitely heard that. In, I remember that in Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's at the very start of that like rant he does, where it's like basically dancing around saying anything that would get them a hard R. Though there is a cut off f bomb in the film, like they they still get away with the second one. It's when he gets on that sled and he goes fuck as he he's says, off Oh no, no, sir! I know exactly what he says. He says, "Oh shit." It's what it is. My oh. mother-in-law's favorite line in the whole movie. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was an oh, F bomb. Oh shit! Gotcha. Yeah, no, gotcha. it's it's 
Um, but yeah, no, again, I, I could quote this movie pretty much fucking verbatim. I, it's, it's, I will say this at, uh, about this movie, not only just in the eighties, it's hard to find movies that, um, age culturally, as far as the comedy, this movie doesn't really struggle from that that much. Um, it, it's actually doesn't, it's better not than much, a lot. It's yeah, better than but, most of John Hughes' right. movies. Yeah, um, indeed. I, I, considering how bad it could get, it's actually pretty tolerable. Yeah. Um, if you compare this to like uh, what the sixteen candle candles character, like Long Duck Dick or Long something, Duck Dong Long Duck or something, Dong. yeah, yeah, like that, that that's so great. Uh, yeah, and, it, and the yeah. original Vacation, as mentioned, has sure. some really problematic elements. Sure, and I was you know because like I, I'm not gonna lie for when we did the the film concussion back in the day. Uh, if I had seen the movie when we were doing an episode, I usually didn't bother watching it. Uh, and I probably, this is probably one of the few movies where I honestly could have gotten away not watching it, but I would not do that to my dear audience anymore. I'm older and wiser and I wouldn't do that to you guys anymore. Uh, cause to See? try to look at it from some sort of critical, uh, eye, but I still, it's funny as many times I've seen this movie, it still made me laugh out loud while I was watching it again. And again and again. Well, con- conversely to your point, um, I thought I remembered this film well, and then watching it, I always am remembered, or I'm always reminded of the fact that my brain is slowly dying as I age. So certain <laughs> scenes would cop- pop up, and I'd be like, oh, that's a thing that occurred in this. I remember that now that I'm seeing it happen in front of me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, is this your favorite Christmas movie, Carlson? Probably not my favorite, but it's in the top five. Easy top five. Probably top so, three. So- so let's get into that. What are your favorite Christmas films? Uh, if we're going to do this, what's okay. your favorite? Uh, it's hard for me to go with favorite, but I'll go with, I'll give it a go. Uh, so I, I always associate the favorites as in the ones I tend to watch every holiday season. Um, the one I never miss, it's, it's, it's an old made for TV holiday special. It's the Muppet family special it was Jim Henson was still alive. It was, it had everybody it had Sesame street. It had Fraggle rock. It had everybody showing up. And I, I never missed a chance to, to miss that. And on the same videotape that I recorded, it's, there's a, a, a Sesame street Christmas Eve. And that one's another favorite of mine because that one's all about big bird trying to figure out where Santa is. So I'll put that as one. <laughs> that's, that's probably number one. Number two is okay. probably as far as favorites concerned. Um, I mean, it's hard to beat. It's a wonderful life. I mean, I, I think that movie's aces. I, I, I think the funny part about that movie is that, you know, Frank Capra never designed that movie to be a Christmas movie. It wasn't, it's, it was released in July. You know, this was not intended to Mm. be a holiday movie, but yet it is so, and it almost had it not been for it airing all the time in the sixties and the seventies on television. I think that movie would be an obscurity. Similar Um, to a mm -hmm. Christmas story in many ways. Yeah. Right. That's that. That's why my, my father-in-law hates it's a wonderful life because it was just around all the time when he was a kid, much like how I feel about Christmas story because Christmas story was just on all the damn time. Yeah, it's hard to revisit that one and no, see it fresh. It's hard to say, but it's hard to not put on It's a Wonderful Life. And I'll also throw on, like, I don't know, one of my favorites has always been... Um, uh, damn it. Uh, I, yeah, well, Christmas Vacation. And then um, I, I'm a big fan of... Um, <laughs> Pot? 
Uh, well, indeed. Um, but uh, but but one of one of my thing. I think I one of the. It's, I have to say, I am not a person who laughs. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that one. Whatever that movie is. Um, no, Scrooged. I I, I always oh, like Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. Scrooge was, Scrooge yeah, yeah. was up there. Yeah, I was. I thought Scrooge was because it was terrified me when I was a kid, but I always loved it. I don't know. Dag, how about you? What are, what are some favorites for you? Okay. Uh, so now, presently, uh, my number one is probably modern day. It's got to be like, and I've appreciated it more as I got older. This happened before I moved to Chicago, but it's increased since I've done so about four years ago. I think it's just, it's it's a wonderful life um, in part because I started to appreciate that movie more when I was an adult than I did when I was a kid. Um, but then I moved to Chicago and there's this beautiful hundred year old theater called the music box and they play it every single year and they have a sing along before the movie and the entire crowd watches it. And it's amazing how entrancing that movie is to a modern audience. People it's, it was, it has been a Christmas tradition for Shannon and I for the last three years to go see it's a wonderful life at the music box with a packed house. They have a live organist who plays Christmas carols before the movie with slides of the music box from the 1930s to present day playing on the screen. It's oh, that's cool. one of the most fun things I do the entire season. This year we can't. It's just not going to happen, unfortunately. I, actually, I was always tempted so, to go to the music box when I lived and worked, or no, excuse me, when I lived and went to school in Chicago. I was always tempted to go to the music box. People talked about it all the time, but I never got a chance to go see it. That's really cool. Well, you should have gone because you've apparently never, ever somehow have missed It's a Wonderful Life somehow. And yeah, I will say I this, seen and I wanted life. that to come up because Borif has never seen that shit. Yeah, and, and it's and, like, and what I, are you doing, well, my man? I'm gonna I mean, there's to, also the fact I haven't like, seen Black Christmas either. I haven't seen the original Black Christmas That shocks yet. me. That actually surprises me more. That surprises okay. me well, way well, more. Let's start with It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think even more if you'll appreciate it's a wonderful life because I call I compare it's a wonderful life it's like a photo negative of uh, Citizen Kane um, it, it's unlike so George Bailey as compared to Charles Foster Kane their comeuppance so to speak come about in such different manners and are driven by different motivations and it's it, a wonderful life is one of my top five movies ever yeah, made. Yeah, it's it's probably one oh. of the best American movies ever made. I I, I think that okay, that I'll give it a shot at some point, guys. That. It's just um, as, had, as with I, many I, things, the more people are intense about it, the less likely I am to try it. Yeah, like, yeah, just, I know. Like, it's the wire right, syndrome. All right, all right, it's yeah, the yeah, wire yeah, syndrome yeah. all right, over right, it. There's like yeah, a yeah. Right. There's a plat. There's like a plateau. If they make it past that plateau, it's just too high for me to go, man. I'll have to try it at some point. But, of course, (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life will fall apart immediately. I think a lot of people will, like, in modern audiences, I I don't think you'll do this, Chris, but, like, the two-screen experience will ruin that movie in a heartbeat, in my opinion. All right. um, uh, So, other favorites of mine? Uh, You know, I got... I don't know. It's like, I want... I want Christmas to have a lot of themes. I always like a version of a Christmas Carol. Scrooged 
or um, or the, the 1950s version is is actually very good. Uh, I always the Muppets kinda, one is even good. I even the like Muppets the Muppets one. one. Good. I always like a version of a Christmas Carol, but I don't have a ver- like a singular version that I love. I love that story. I don't have a specific iteration that I think is the best, but I always watch it every mm-hmm. year. Some version of it. Um, but beyond that, uh, honestly, I think Black Christmas is the best slasher ever made. And I okay. love the hell out of 1974 specifically, Black Christmas. It's so good. Uh, I I didn't know you hadn't seen it. I would have. Uh, I honestly didn't know you hadn't seen it either, Boris. Yeah. I mean, I, I always that, just that think that it surprises the hell out of me. I mean, I, I, I just think it's everything funny that because Halloween it's... gets credit for. Like most of the thing, not not a hundred percent, but a lot mm-hmm. of it. Like Black Christmas just did before. And in many well, I'll ways, give it a shot. Yeah. It's just funny because it's the same director as a Christmas it is. Uh, story. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's just hilarious. flips on Halloween or uh, I'm, Christmas. I'm a basic ass white. Uh, I'm a basic ass white dude. So Die Hard is indeed one of my favorite Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. And Gremlins is so sure. fun. How can sure. you go wrong with Gremlins? Sure. We did and Gremlins you know once for the film concussion. Every year, we I watch at least one shitty Netflix or Hallmark Christmas movie because some lifetime movie the, the <laughs> season wouldn't Gremlins, be complete without it I've heard Gremlins ages extremely strangely so that one might be oh, interesting to think, revisit at some Gremlins point is, I don't think Gremlins? It, I don't think it's it ages lot, that badly it's a lot darker okay. than I think I remember it being I should oh. say it, I gotta shout this out for my one of my favorite it's not necessarily a Christmas movie but I watch it every Christmas is uh, Fiddler on the Roof uh, oh, I, I watch it every yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know. It would specifically uh, it, not be a Christmas movie, I believe. It wouldn't, but, <laughs> but it's, I watch it every Christmas. I watch it every Christmas. It's I, extremely I, well done. It started with my dad way back when I was little because my mom got a camcorder on Christmas and she was allowed to open that before Christmas and the kids revolted and... We got to open one more Christmas, and then the following Christmas, there was no camcorder, but we were still expecting to open one present on Christmas Eve. So when my dad popped back, he said, I am the papa, and then we just laughed about Fiddler on the Roof, and we'd end up watching Fiddler on the Roof on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a Carlson thing, but that's a Carlson thing. All y'all uh, Christian Christmas people, give a little, uh, give a little time for uh, our Semite friends and watch Fiddler on the Roof, a genuinely great movie. I, I, I always yeah, uh, am on a life mission to win the war on Christmas. I will do everything in my power to secularize the hell out of this holiday. And you know what? They cannot have uh-huh. it. It is ours that's now. That's first Saturnalia. Uh, too bad. They lost. Kill the saccharine Christmas movies. Uh, that's why I like the genre ones. Let yeah. the horror and the... Uh- and the action yeah. and, the, <laughs> and the comedies and, and the, the comedy. yeah, like Die Hard was good. Krampus was kind of fun. Uh, wasn't the best Krampus movie ever fun. made, but it was kind of fun. Um, yeah, and uh, Brazil probably is the the weird hanger on because they are literally giving out Christmas presents in every scene gonna, in Brazil. What about one of those Shane Black always has Christmas ass? Oh movies. yeah, yeah, that's the, true. The, well, Vain. I mean, Die Hard. Oh wait, he didn't do anything on Die Hard. Derivative. He didn't do anything. Huh. I, I feel like yeah. they were always derivative of Die Hard. It's like Die Hard yeah. was the first action Christmas movie, and Shane Black is like, "Well, I could do that. Good idea." Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I have any other fun, but yeah, 
I don't know if I have any other famous or favorite Christmas movies, just because uh, it's one of those seasons and one of those holidays that it's always like the idea behind it is always so like, you know, family and togetherness. But when I was like young and watching these things, my family was so dysfunctional. So watching these movies, I'm like, these people aren't anything like anybody I know. They are all crazy people. So, so actually uh, watching... your favorite Christmas movie is Twin yeah. Peaks The Return. Basically, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. Yeah. The uh, Have You Got a Light episode is my personal favorite version of Santa Claus. Oh, boy. Uh, funny to say, I was watching that when it aired, and my brother was over at the time. I'd never seen a frame of the new Twin Peaks, and that was the episode he sat down and watched. He's like, well, now I know I'm not watching the rest of it. I mean, that, that oh, is a good oh, episode. Like that was one of the best episodes. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, oh, Me too. But it's, it's a good this episode is controversial. to find out. If we have like actual film snobs it. listening, we're yeah. going to piss them the fuck off. But <laughs> so there's a few great should. episodes of that show, and most of them are David Lynch jacking himself off, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like David Lynch films? You, like how, how, how yeah, they mostly you are the, like Mulholland Drive? The fucking. six minute sequence of a guy sweeping a bar floor so they could use all the possible B roll footage of an actor who died during production. You know, stuff like that seems a little excessive. I would say that. Yeah, I don't know if Dougie um, needed to have eighteen episodes. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Got all got all the Dougie early. Um, but we should probably speaking of like sitcoms and all that. I would assume that these movies are kind of like sitcoms, basically all mm-hmm. of the Griswold adventures, because they all kind of come back to the same starting place at the end. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I'm ready to give final determinations or final oh, yeah. thoughts on this yeah, if you guys yeah. want to. I, yeah, I, I, I'll go ahead and go first since this was my lucky pick. Uh, it's the closest thing I'm going to get to win. And the I movie suspect trap. Russell, uh, even if both of us like it, I think Russell will be the most uh, fervently uh, in favor. I, I yeah, am. He's going to be uh, effusive, it, I think. Again, it is, it is it, it, for all the, uh, you know, easy hamminess and, you know, camera grabbing that Chevy Chase is. This is one of his better vehicles. Um, it's Clark Griswold's a good vehicle for him to be in. Um, like I said, I, 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 it's my closest comparison is Rob Petrie from Dick Van Dyke. So to, to go off your sitcom thing, but I mean, Dick Van Dyke's a little bit, Rob Petrie's a little nicer, I think, than Clark Griswold. Clark Griswold's problem is that he takes everything to excess. Everything's got to be absolutely the best or insane or whatever he fits into the 80s prototype very well yeah which in turn fits into like the 80s were actually a nostalgia for the 50s and that's why i think this movie plays up so well because there's this scene where he's locked in a cellar and he's watching all these old reels and it's playing a ray charles song and and that's really what the movie's about it's really about you the audience clark griswold love Christmas, you associate all these positive, warm, fuzzy feelings with Christmas. But the reality is, is that you're, it, it's, it's Ellen's line. I don't know what to tell you, except that it's, it's Christmas and uh, we're all in misery. Uh, I, I love this movie. It's it, literally, I think that almost every line is a joke um, and some land, some don't, but I can quote most of them. Um, it is for being a John Hughes 80s comedy. It could have been a lot more outdated as far as culture is concerned today, but <laughs> what still, a standard. Yeah, I, I do it, agree. I agree, but it's also, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a low bar to hurdle. Some 80s um, movies are worse. 
Right. Yes. Yep. And so that's Police why I was kind of nervous for one. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, boy, mm-hmm. I know how to pick the 80s, don't I? Um, so, yeah, I guess I actually think this one is OK in terms of I think this one. I mean, certainly better than Police Academy. By oh, leaps and currently it ages I, think, okay. I think it does OK. I think it does all right. The, the sexual harassment I, scene is the only one that is kind sure. of a peccadillo for me. But sure, sure, you know, no, 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 no. And I, I hear that, I hear that. But like I said, it's it's not necessarily it, the movie's about that Clark's the bad guy. So him doing kind of skeevy things isn't necessarily because, like, I'm not gonna lie. If I invited my whole family for Christmas and I just spend all the time decorating the fucking house, my wife's gonna chop my head off. Like she, she'd be like, "You get in this house and help me entertain these fucking lunatics," because I'm not doing this by myself. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I, I think if you haven't seen this movie, I think it's kind of unlikely that you haven't. Um, but this is definitely one of my favorite Christmas movies and I can watch it any time of the year. It's, it, it makes me laugh. Like I said, I've seen it a billion times and I still found myself laughing and rewatching this for the podcast. So, uh, thanks for, thanks for joining with me and we could be the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll continue on. Um, this movie I have seen. God, uh, so many times it's, it is my sister's favorite Christmas movie without a, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, so on that grounds alone, I have seen it since I was a kid. I mean, I don't know how many times it's gotta be at least 20. I imagine, um, maybe more. Um, she likes it a little more than I do. Uh, I like, I'll confess like, uh, I, I, I want a little more substance in my <laughs> Christmas movies. Um, I don't necessarily just want like the black comedy, like kind of shtick thing. Um, I still like this movie. I think that there's a lot of great jokes. I think that it's well-written. I think that there's very funny moments. Um, I think that, eh, like, I, I don't know how it's rated in pop culture. I do Definitely don't like it as much as Sarah and Russell or my sister. <laughs> um, but I still like it. I like. I don't have a problem with watching it. Uh, Shannon does not care for this movie very much. And funny story, every time she talks about it, she calls it Christmas Family Vacation for years. And I correct her every time and say it's called Christmas Vacation. <laughs> But she still always calls it Christmas Family Vacation. I don't know why. I don't know how that broke into her brain. Um, well, I mean, it's, all the rest of them are actually family vacations. This is the only one that uses vacation in the title where they don't go anywhere. They're just yeah. staying home for vacation. So it's the general. This is, you know, this is because it's in the brand and it was the shtick for vacation. And it's also that this was the last one that John Hughes was writing. So he was like, all right, well, yeah. it's the only one I'm going to write. And it's because I got a story. The rest of these are just Chevy Chase vehicles. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you in the middle of your final thoughts, Zach. Uh, yeah, but it's similar to um, Christmas Story for many people. Uh, for Christmas Story, my parents, Christmas Story is almost unimpeachable. Um, they put on that TBS 24-hour thing. And for me, it's like uh, I can watch a Christmas Story. I can watch Christmas Vacation and I won't complain because they're I know what's good about those movies and they're perfectly enjoyable to me, both of them, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But they're not going to be my pick ever for Christmas movie watch. Um, 
But that doesn't mean they're bad movies. I think they have their place in the Pantheon. And yeah, Christmas Vacation, it's solid, you know? You can put it on in the crowd. Everybody will be at least okay with it. I think it's a it's a solid film. What can you do besides yeah. that? I kind of agree. Um, for me, I'm not super excited by this movie. Um, I've seen it a lot. Um, I remember it being quoted nonstop when I was younger. Uh, um, I had friends uh, around me in college. I'm sure. I, I well, yeah, never but I mean, just in general, it. like in Indiana, it was when it came out, it became like a cultural touchstone. Like everybody talked about this movie. Um, I've seen it a lot, so it's very hard for me to watch this one fresh. Like I remember it kind of in parts. I remember the you know the big scenes, the big physical gags, things like that. In some of the scenes, I'm now actively confused as to what the comedy was, but it's one of those things where it's like, I understand what I'm seeing is supposed to be funny and I understand the setup, but there are just certain scenes that leave me uh, not cold, but just confused. Um, They work well with everything else. There's like a short sequence where um, Clark is like saying, you know, happy Christmas to like a group of men as they're walking by. And then he gets to the end and he just starts telling them to go fuck themselves. Kiss his ass. Happy Hanukkah. And it's like, I'm really confused as to like what, the purpose of that scene is or what the turn of that joke is because it's it's just very strange to me um i mean it's a sitcom uh, you come in you go out it's the same situation no one's really hurt uh it's easy to watch it's safe to watch with family because there's a lot of stuff that isn't safe to watch with family and thankfully it is not sports which is the other conversation room filler that people love to watch i would prefer not sports personally uh but uh can i say one more thing mm-hmm to caveat my my final thought that uh, that Chris made me think of, um, in many ways, like uh, a Christmas story, and I do think those films, I truly think these films are tied together in their place in pop- popular culture. Um, this is a movie that not only uh, is a block comedy. But at this point in its existence, in its history as a artifact of Christmas time, and I think it is an artifact of Christmas time, it's not just that it's a funny comedy movie. It's that people who saw this when they were kids, it is that nostalgia for them in and of itself. It's like slipping into your Christmas pajamas just watching this movie for so, 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 so many people. And I, I I would be curious to see what, like, Gen Z people who have never seen this movie before would even think about it. They'd good probably point. be like, what is this yeah. shit? I mean, well, there's I mean, a very good chance that they would. They'd probably like some jokes, but I don't think it would have the same resonance. It'd be interesting to try that on uh, somebody. That is a good but question. There's, there's also, yeah. like, a lot of cultural things in this where it's specific to America. Um I would be interested mm-hmm. to see how this one plays in other countries because there's a film similar to this Good one that's question. like a a uh, a cultural classic that no one really lays claim to from Australia called The Castle, where it's a uh, just a basic comedy similar to this one where a guy's house is going to get taken away from him and he's like the oh, little man fighting big one. government. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 that it's, was, yeah, super, yeah, yeah. it's super loved down there. It's like super like warmly remembered. Uh, when I watched it, I didn't have any of that background. So for me, it was very strange seeing all the people have these arguments and 
when Eric Bana shows up and he's supposed to be playing a Pakistani gentleman, I just about had my legs shoot out straight with <laughs> how intense the uh, the uh, race bending was. Um, so there's stuff like that where it's strange. It would be interesting to see how this one plays for people in other countries. Like For example, one thing that I don't think most people pick up on is the fact that Diane Ladd, who plays Clark Griswold's mom... Mm is only four years older than him in real life. She was born in 1939, and Chase was born in 1943. What is that shit about, guys? That (laughs) that math doesn't quite work out. (laughs) (laughs) I think you said four years older? That would be seven. But but, but still, um, that is a very small... I remember when I found that out about uh, the show Six Feet Under, where the... the, uh, the the son was actually like only like three or four years younger than their mom as far as their acting was concerned i think that that but you know that's hollywood for you but i mean there is a lot of you know a young johnny galecki you know before uh, big bang theory juliette lewis before she was really and and even julie Stripus before seinfeld you know and um lots of sitcom people were in this movie that later went on to have far more illustrious careers like julie Louis Dreyfus and even the uh, the bomb from Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, and E.G. Marshall played Art. Lovingly played by Art. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think John Randolph, who plays Clark Sr., was in Serpico. But, you know. Oh, it, the it, boss is also for, a, um, a classic Brian Doyle uh, Murray. 80s. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, related you know to Bill it. Murray, right? Brian Doyle Murray. He is. They're brothers, I believe. Okay, yeah. That would explain yeah, why he showed up in City. so many of the same movies. They all knew each other. They all, and I was gotcha. surprised that anybody would get along with 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 Chevy Chase because it doesn't sound like he was. He sounds like a real charmer to work with. Um. I've heard that uh, he's. It's basically you either love him or you don't. Like he's one of those actors that is that way on set. He will decide if he likes someone or doesn't like someone, and it doesn't really change. So it's uh, a. Yeah. That's that's one of the criticisms I heard of like when people had to go in and direct him. He would sort of arbitrarily decide if he liked a director and he would be like oh that's great they were good they had me come in do my thing and then i left and then other directors for whatever reason they just did not strike as fancy and it would this was just hearing stuff about community i guess i shouldn't talk out of school but yeah whatever i wasn't there <laughs> yeah. well it, 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 it's not like his, his reputation does precede him and at least with the first vacation he got to work with harold ramus who already knew how to work with bill murray who he himself is kind of a hurricane to wrangle on set so i've heard yeah. um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I for for it being a christmas episode i was very happy to do a christmas vacation that wasn't just like you know uh, Die Hard or, or or something like that that was actually like mm-hmm. Christmas related because you know I love Die Hard but it's it's it takes place on Christmas that's the only relation to Christmas mm, disagree. it has. Okay well we'll get into that later. Um, I, I, I This one is Christmas is its lifeblood in this movie um, unlike its previous iterations in the franchise but I like about Christmas Vacation is that it is not like the other vacations. They don't go anywhere they, they pretty much stay at home and to to play against type, so to speak. I, I think it, it worked out pretty good. And it's probably the best in the franchise, I would argue. Fight me, to internet, if you disagree with me. I mean, there's uh, Vegas yeah, Vacation. Uh, uh, I'll go ahead and agree with the one thing. It is the best in the franchise. Yeah. And also, I'm going to say one other thing. When I said that thing about the age difference and Chris started Googling, I was like, did I do math super bad? I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
Well, we're, I, uh, we're famous it, for our... One of the two of us did math very well. We're, we're, we're it, good it, at counting, about planning full, calendars. Full, we, full disclosure, I didn't Wikipedia it. I actually just pulled up the calculator real quick on the computer. Uh, 1939 uh, and 1943. So those are only four years difference. Okay, but also 1939 is not the year you said because Diane <laughs> Lamb was born in 1935. Oh. Well, then when was Bill... Uh, so, when was... Uh, okay, well, this is all stuff we could probably figure out on air. Anyway, the thing is, yeah, is that right, she's not is old enough to be search. his mom. That's the deal. He's Very not old enough. She's not old Very enough true. to be his mom. Guaranteed. She, yeah. yeah, that, that yeah. is true. That's, so, that's the movie key. trap guaranteed. Yeah. Diane <laughs> Ladd is not old enough to be Chevy Chase's mom <laughs> is the movie trap guaranteed. <laughs> oh, boy. Absolutely. Well, I guess on that note, it is, uh, it, it's time to tuck the little ones in bed. They've, they've had too much, too, too much candy, too, too much presents. Too beautiful they're, for this world. All, tuck them in bed. Yeah. They're overtired. They're they overtired. shouldn't have listened to this episode and <laughs> probably were bored by it. Mm-hmm. They were like, why can't you just like um, play as a Christmas movie? Yeah, there we go. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess uh, this has been uh, a fun little uh, holiday uh, romp with you folks, you know, and uh, we'll pretend like uh, it's Christmas while we're recording this and I'll say Merry Christmas to both of you. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to both to of you. Both of you. What day is it, boy? <laughs> Why today, sir? Today is Christmas time. <laughs> then it's not too late. It's not too late to release our podcast episode. Uh, and it's not too late to in the year of our Lord 2021 start our dual or more than dual roles series yeah, yeah. with Dead Ringers, which will be our next episode. Yeah, enjoy. Yep. And in uh, um, all honesty, yeah, thank we you for, uh, are pretty happy about this Christmas because we don't have fucking Trump anymore. I'm just going to say it. Fuck that right. guy. This fuck is his the first Christmas. episode fuck we've his recorded. Family. Yep. This is the first episode we've recorded since Donald Trump will no longer be the president of the United States starting January 20th. So, That's right. But in the hey, interest I'm of kayfabe. To all and to all a good night. In the interest <laughs> of kayfabe, it is. Christmas today, though. I'll say it is Christmas that today, is right. regardless of the fact that I made a very specific topical reference from a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's Christmas, guys. Cool. Right. And, and with any luck, our Christmas gift will be a DNA sample to the courts uh, from our former president. Um, and yeah, I guess on that note, uh, I guess we could sign off. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I've been Russell Carlson. I have been Zach Powers. Feliz Navidad, people. I've been Borif. Chris. My name's Chris. See you later. If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood...
sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol?